Friday night. You're tuned in to Louie Live, and I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live for the next two hours. So we're going to start the show off today with a little ACDC and a song called Jailbreak. So you're going to want to turn it up full blast for this one.
All right, and that was ACDC with a song called Jailbreak to start your Friday night off. Hopefully you're all out of work for the weekend. You're getting ready to go out and get something good to eat and maybe go out and have a drink or two, do a little dancing. But I'm just kidding because we live in Vermont and basically the only thing to do is maybe go take a walk around Costco for a while. <laughs> That's what people do in Vermont on the weekends. They flip a coin. They say, okay, I'm going to go uh, walk around Costco's for a few hours. Then maybe tomorrow we'll go take a walk around Home Depot. Yeah, no doubt. It's Vermont. That's why a lot of people leave the state of Vermont. Because there's not a lot to do up here. They say it is a good place to raise your kids, but... I'm not so sure about that anymore. I'm not so sure it's a good place to raise your kids in the United States because there's so much crazy stuff going on in the schools nowadays. So, my show's on every Friday night, 6 to 8. It's called Louie Live, and I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. You can also go to Facebook and join my group, Louie Live. And I encourage people to do so because it's a good place to showcase your music. If you ever want to come on the show, just give me a holler. We'll have you on here because we do that with people once in a while. Got my buddy Brad Hollister. I'm going to try to get him on some night to sing a few songs. He's got a new album out called The World. Get a chance to listen to it. Go ahead because it's really good. So... We usually discuss whatever we see on social media, whether it's about Vermont or the United States or pretty much anything going on in the world. Try not to get too heavily involved in the politics because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. There's a lot of crazy politicians out there. And as I always say, it doesn't really matter to me who the president is whether it's Donald Trump or Obama, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton. What matters to me is the people right here in the city of Burlington, like the mayor, Mira Weinberger, pushing that carbon tax on fossil fuels. You know, and they say it's going to be about a dollar a gallon. And everybody knows that most of the people in the United States live paycheck to paycheck, and do we really need to be slapping these people with another dollar a gallon tax in the name of lessening the carbon footprint? I mean, how the heck is that going to lessen the carbon footprint? Are you going to make it so expensive to drive a vehicle that no one's going to be able to afford gasoline? Because that's how some of these sick, demented people think, you know. They think... We'll just uh, make it so expensive they can't afford to drive a vehicle. So what they'll have to do is go out and spend $100,000 or so on an electric car like a Tesla. And then we'll have to uh, create electricity by using coal, right? Or diesel fuels. Or like here in Burlington, we chop down the trees, right? trees that eat carbon and then produce oxygen 
You know, they're trying to lessen the carbon footprint. But what do they do in Vermont? They cut down the trees that eat carbon. Something a little uh, backwards thinking there, don't you think? Let's see. We're going to tax fossil fuels to the point where people can't afford and drive cars running on gasoline or diesel, right? And we're going to force them to drive electric cars, but you have to charge up those electric cars, and they're only good for about 150 miles or so per charge. And in order to create that electricity, like here in Burlington, we cut down the trees that eat carbon. That lessens the carbon footprint. So we burned out, cut that trees down, right? Burn them to make electricity to run my $100,000 Tesla. I don't know where some of these people get their logic, but a lot of them seems like they're lacking in logic, don't you think? I saw this one thing on Facebook where it showed somebody was charging their electric car with a generator that operates on diesel. Now, diesel is one of the stinkiest things known to mankind. And I read an article last year saying that 38,000 people in the United States died from diesel fumes. So that tells you how bad diesel is for you. If it's going to eliminate something, go ahead and eliminate diesel. Do us all a favor. So that's pretty much what the show is about. It's kind of random. I kind of jump all over the place. Speaking about the world, this is something from the other side of the world. It's a 67-year-old woman gives birth after getting pregnant naturally. Can you believe that? 67 years old getting pregnant naturally. And it says she's a retired doctor and she's given birth in northeastern China. And she may very well be the country's oldest new mother. Well... Not just the country's oldest new mother. I would say the oldest mother in the world when she was 67 years old. Says a 67-year-old woman in China has given birth to a healthy baby girl at the same hospital where she used to work because she's a doctor or was a doctor. The woman surnamed Tian gave birth to a girl this past Friday at Zoi Zhang Maternity and the Child Health Hospital where Tian used to be a doctor. A hospital spokeswoman told that Tian was pregnant naturally after using her medical knowledge to self-administer traditional Chinese fertility treatments. Hmm. Chief physician Lu Chenwen said Tian has ovaries similar to that of a woman in her 40s. Well, you know, folks, even a woman in her 40s has a hard time giving birth naturally. The baby was delivered via cesarean section and reportedly weighed 5.6 pounds at birth. Tian and her husband named the baby Tianxi, which means gift sent from heaven. I would say so. 
You know, folks, I have a real problem with anybody giving birth at 67 years old because this woman could have died from stress during birth. It's a good thing she had a cesarean. So, this little baby is going to be going to kindergarten. And this woman is going to be walking her daughter into kindergarten on the first day. And she's going to be 72 years old. If she lives to be that old. Because a lot of people don't, folks. 72 is a ripe old age. So, she's going to be walking... This little baby, five years old, in the first day of kindergarten, and she's going to be 72. Personally, I think that's very selfish. Why she didn't have children earlier? It doesn't say if she had children earlier. It doesn't mention that at all. But regardless of how she feels, I don't think it's right to be walking the child into the first day of kindergarten when you're 72 years old as the mother. Because how is this child going to feel? How are all the other people going to look at her and you? 67 years old is not the time to have a baby. Regardless of who you are or what country you're in, A lot of women say, well, it's my body and my control. Well, the man should have an opinion. A lot of times he doesn't. Talking about, for instance, abortion. It's what a lot of women say. They say, it's my body, my choice. Well, it is your body. But when you decide to abort the child on the day of its birth like it's legal here in Vermont and New York, right? Can you imagine that? Some woman actually, according to the law, can actually have a baby, and they can clean that baby up and have it sitting over there on the counter. And the woman can then decide with the doctors if she wants to abort the baby. Uh, No, you cannot abort the baby. The baby is born. You know, it is no longer your body, your choice. This is a little human being laying over on the counter. You cannot abort a living human being. Kill is another word. Kill is the appropriate word. You can kill a baby that is lying over on the counter, all cleaned up and breathing on its own, no longer attached by the umbilical cord, The word kill is appropriate. And nobody has the right to kill anybody in the United States of America. And I think that if the doctors go ahead and decide to do that, then God have mercy on their souls and they should receive the death penalty themselves. And that's just logically speaking. Nobody has the right to kill one another. So, moving on to this next article, speaking of random, man says psychotic cow nearly killed him, 
right? So the guy's name is uh, Greg Nolan, and he says, despite an attack that nearly killed him, he's going to keep Belvia the cow. And in spite of her almost killing him last month, he still takes care of her, his cow named Beliva. He said she could be a little psychotic. Her aggressive behavior started after giving birth to her calf. She turned into a lot meaner and more crazy animal, Nolan said. In one attack, she cornered Nolan and headbutted him, and then nine weeks ago, she got even more vicious. When she got me down, she broke all my ribs on my side of the body except for one. She basically punctured my ribs, punctured my lungs, and destroyed my spleen, Nolan said. Nolan could not move, but he thanks God for his renter, Sabrina Smith. If she wouldn't have been there, I would have died, Nolan said. She just kept hitting him, headbutting him, and I got this from out underneath him and took it right there, and I just beat her in the head with it as hard as I could, Smith said, holding up his cane. Can you imagine that? I mean... Hitting a cow with a cane is, you know, he's lucky that the cow kind of left him alone because uh, you're talking about a 2,000-pound animal and hitting it with a cane's not really going to phase it much. So Nolan spent two and a half weeks in the hospital, initially in the ICU intensive care unit, and he needed surgery. And despite the dangerous aggression, his cow, Belvia, is still here, and cared for. Can you imagine that, folks? Twice this cow's almost killed him. But he's going to keep her around, even though she broke his ribs and punctured his lung and fractured his spleen and everything else. Like he said, thank God for his helper that came along and saved him. All right, so having said all of that, we're going to go to a song here. And let's see. How about a little lover boy? And this song is called When It's Over. And once again, you're tuned into Louie Live. I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live.
All right, and that was Lover Boy with a song called It's Over. So maybe we'll jump into some political stuff. I saw this article right here. George Papadopoulos, a former Trump campaign aide who was a key figure in the FBI's Russia probe filed paperwork this past Tuesday to run for the U.S. House seat being vacated by Democrat Katie Hill. Papadopoulos didn't immediately comment, but on Sunday he tweeted, I love my state too much to see it run down by the candidates like Hill. I'll talk no action and a bunch of sellouts. Hill, whose district covers Los Angeles County, announced her resignation on Sunday amid an ethics probe into allegations she had an inappropriate relationship with a staff member. Seems like she had a history of that too, folks. Had to be pretty bad for the Democrats to go to her and make her resign as of effective immediately. Had to be pretty bad. She admitted to a consensual relationship with a campaign staff member, but denied one with a congressional staff member, which would violate U.S. House rules. Well, if she didn't, she wouldn't have been stepping down now, would she? So I think she just pled guilty right there. And the proof of her resignation says it all. So she called herself the victim of revenge porn by an abusive husband she is divorcing. Papadopoulos, meanwhile, was a key figure in the FBI's Russia probe into ties with Russia and the Trump campaign. The FBI's counterintelligent investigation that later became the Mueller probe was triggered in part from a tip from an Australian diplomat who had communicated with Papadopoulos and Papadopoulos told the diplomat Alexander Downer in May of 2016 that Russia had thousands of stolen emails that would be potentially damaging to Hillary Clinton. And I'm sure that they do. And it was proven that people from many countries hacked into her service. And I'm sure that they all have copies of her emails that are missing. And God only knows what. But as far as Hill goes, it's well known that she was hiring people to be on her staff. Woman that she was attractive to because she's bisexual. And then she would have three-way relationships with that person and her husband. So, you have to ask, what type of a salary do you pay somebody like that, that you're hiring to be involved in a three-way sexual relationship with you and your husband? What do you pay a staffer, somebody like that? And then you have to think, well... Bernie Sanders' daughter was a teacher at Burlington Community College. And his wife, Jane Sanders, was the president. 
until she drove it into the ground. But when Jane and Bernie's daughter was teaching a woodworking class, she was being paid $500,000. Now, can you imagine folks being hired to be on the staff of Miss Hill to have three-way sexual encounters with her and her husband and God only knows what she was paying her. But then you find out that the Sanders were paying their daughter $500,000 to teach a lousy woodworking class. And from what their daughter said when she was running for mayor of Burlington, she said she was teaching the class, I believe, to spin wooden bowls on a wood lathe. <laughs> Is that worth $500,000? I don't think so. You know, to teach a course spinning wooden bowls on a wood lathe appropriately would be more like $5,000. Not $500,000, more like $5,000. Maybe that's why the college went under. Paying people $500,000 to teach a woodworking class. Can you imagine that? Not even a Harvey, Harvard, not even an Ivy League college like Harvard. Just a little old community college in Burlington, Vermont. Run by the Sanders. Got to ask yourself, folks, is that who you want to vote for for president? But they're saying right here, it says Bernie Sanders surges in the New Hampshire poll. And it says, some good news for Bernie Sanders' campaign on this past Tuesday. He's leading the pack in the latest New Hampshire poll of the Democratic presidential candidates. The latest primary poll conducted by the University of New Hampshire Survey Center. Senator Sanders has 21% of the vote. Senator Elizabeth Warren is close behind at 18%. Former Vice President Joe Biden slid to 15%, and he was at 24% back in July. So you see how people can change your mind, folks? In South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Peter Budacek came in fourth with 10% of the vote. Well, folks, from what I read on the news today, Beto the fake Mexican O'Rourke dropped out of the race today. You know, he doesn't even show up on the radar. He's not even a blip. You know, and these people don't have the capability of raising any money. They asked Joe Biden a week or two how he was going to raise campaign money because the word's out. He doesn't have any campaign money to run on. They asked him several times, and he just said, I'm not worried about it. I'll raise the money. Well, from what they're saying is him and his son got $1.5 billion from China, right? So, I'm sure George can just call one of his offshore banking accounts and transfer some money. If that's true, 
that Joe Biden and his son Hunter received one and a half billion dollars from the Chinese, you know, he can surely finance his own campaign, don't you think? Most definitely. But Joe's dropping in the polls like a rock. The guy can't even speak a coherent sentence. And then when he does speak a sentence, doesn't even make sense. You know, he was at the debate and he's talking about uh, stockbrokers clipping coupons. And everybody's looking at him like, uh, what the heck is the matter with this guy? You know, he had a couple of brain surgeries in the past. And apparently something's not connecting in his mind. Talking about stockbrokers clipping coupons. Nobody even did a follow-up on that. Like, hey, Joe, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe it's time to head him on back to the old folks' home. Right? And then you got bank fraud Bernie Sanders. He's slipping in the polls. A lot of people are looking at him now since he's had his heart attack. And when they question them, they're even saying that they're concerned about his health. You know, he's pushing 80 years old. Who in their right mind wants to be the president of the United States when you're 80 years old? Especially after you've led a career of politics about approximately 40 years. And the only thing that you've ever accomplished was renaming two libraries. That's it. He has no legacy. A lot of times, you'll see that Bernie never even shows up to vote. He's always been an independent. I don't know how you can say that because he's always voted with the Democrats. I don't believe he has ever once voted with the Republicans. So you might as well call him a Democrat. Slash socialist, slash progressive, slash communist. Because socialism and communism is a very fine line in between folks. I'm sure he's a proud to be either one and not just a Democrat. I don't think I've ever heard Bernie say that he's an American. I think probably his lips would fall off if he had to say that, that he is an American. Proud to be an American. I think his head would explode. But that's the way things are going. Pete Buttigieg, he's going to be dropping out. Kamala Harris, she's laying off staffers. She has no money. She's not even on the radar, so she's been gone too. Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Beto, the fake Mexican. So you're going to end up, it's going to be between Elizabeth, Pocahontas, the fake Indian, Warren, and then you're going to have bank fraud, Bernie Sanders, right? And then history is going to repeat itself as it did three years ago or so, folks. Bernie's going to lose the nomination. The DNC 
will sell the nomination to Elizabeth Warren if they have to, because they have no loyalty. With them, it's all about money. It's a well-known fact that Donna Brazil took $20 million from Hillary Rodham Clinton because they say the DNC was broke, they had no money. So they sold the Democrat nomination to Hillary Clinton, supposedly for $20 million, and screwed over Bernie Sanders. But, as I've always said, your rights are only as good as you are. So, was Bernie as good as he said he was? Did he stand up for his rights? Did he stand up for your rights? No, he didn't. Did he even really argue? He didn't file any papers in court. He didn't get any attorneys to take on the DNC to get that nomination back from Hillary Rodham Clinton. She didn't even run a campaign. She didn't have any rallies. She didn't go on any speeches. Then when she didn't show up anywhere, she was having seizures and stumbling and falling down and they showed her being hauled away inside of a, I don't know, it was some great big van that they would like literally drag her to and put her in the side of it and take her off somewhere and try to revive her. She had these really bad coughing spells. To this day, nobody knows what that was all about. But during Hillary's campaign, she made herself pretty scarce. And then she bought the nomination from the DNC and stole it away from Bernie. And like I said, Bernie didn't stand up for himself and therefore, he didn't stand up for his people or anybody in the United States that he would have been representing as president if he had won. Proof's in the pudding, folks. He'd have been a terrible president. And I said right here on this show from day one, as soon as I heard that Bernie was running for president, I said, and I have it, on my podcast, if you go to Anchor Podcasting, I have a list of most of my shows. And if you listen back to day one, you will hear me saying that Bernie was an old man who had never accomplished anything politically. Bernie was not out to be the president. He's only out to take the heat off of Hillary and her emails and to get some retirement money which he exactly proved me right. And I saw Bernie on the news yesterday. They were asking him about his heart attack. He said he had a couple stints put in, which they do that surgery here in the United States about a million times a year. And he's right about that. But you could see the look on his face that age was catching up to him. He's an old man. He's 78 years old. You could see that he had a bout with death. Reality was looking him right in the face. That nobody is immortal. And. If he keeps pushing himself. 
he might end up back in the emergency room again if he's lucky enough to make it there in time. So my words of advice to Bernie are drop out of the race, go to your new beach home on Lake Champlain and retire. And whatever money you have in your offshore bank accounts and whatnot, give it to the needy. Because you can't take it with you. And if you want to do good for the people, as you've always said, it's never too late. And now is the time to prove yourself. So, let's go to a song here. This is uh, Mr. Paul McCartney. And it's called One Hand Clapping, 1985. I played this song on my show here a couple times before, but it's a really good song. Everybody loves Paul McCartney. And I hope you enjoy it and I hope you're enjoying the show. And you're going to want to turn this up. There's a lot going on in this song.
All right, and that was Sir Paul McCartney with a song called 1985. And that was a different version that you usually don't hear on the radio. If you ever do hear that song on the radio. You could tell that Paul McCartney was the real brains and the talent behind the Beatles. Because George Harrison had a few good songs afterwards. He's a talented artist. Even Ringo had a couple songs that were pretty good. But John Lennon, yeah, he had a couple songs, but I was listening to him on a radio interview one time, and he was all bent out of shape, and he was going off saying that he was the talent behind the Beatles. But his music didn't carry on like Paul McCartney and Wings. And you could tell with Paul McCartney and Wings that it sounded like just a continuation of the Beatles. But John Lennon's music wasn't. Sometimes I've wondered if maybe John Lennon didn't pay this person to kill him because maybe in his mind he was washed up and he just didn't have it in him anymore. Never know. It's possible. He could have paid somebody to kill him. That way he went out as a legend instead of somebody that was just washed up and couldn't write any more music. I don't know. Maybe someday you'll read stories about that, but hopefully not. Stuff like that you don't ever really want to read about. So, where do you go from there? See, it says uh, it's not over yet. The new U.S. Syria mission after al-Baghdadi death. So it says, pivoting from the dramatic killing of the Islamic State leader, the Pentagon is increasing U.S. efforts to protect Syria's oil fields from the extremist groups as well as from Syria itself and the country's Russian allies. It's a new high-stakes mission, even as American troops are withdrawn from other parts of the country. And it says, Defense Secretary Mark Esper says, the military's oil field mission also will ensure income for Syrian Kurds who are counted on by Washington to continue guarding Islamic State prisoners and helping American forces combat remnants of the group, even as President Donald Trump continues to insist all U.S. troops will come home. Well, Donald Trump, part of his uh, campaign promises were to bring the troops home. And he's pretty much done that. And like he said, we never swore oath to protect the Kurds for the rest of their lives. I mean, we've been over there for about 20 years. We spent trillions of dollars training people to defend themselves against terrorist organizations such as Al-Qaeda. We've left. God only knows what type of military vehicles and armament over there, which ended up into the hands of the terrorists thanks to Obama. 
because when he pulled out, it created a vacuum and it made terrorist groups such as Al-Qaeda more powerful. And wasn't it Obama who decided to send troops into Syria to back up these terrorist organizations to overthrow the government? Isn't that what it was all about? Obama sent troops into Syria to help terrorist organizations to overthrow the government. And now you've got a total mess over there. And then he pulled most of the troops out. There aren't that many troops left in Syria, folks. But as President Trump says, we have to keep troops over there to protect the oil fields because how this originally started was back when Saddam Hussein was the president of Iraq. If you want to call him a president, he was more like a crazy dictator, terrorist. But he invaded Kuwait with his troops and somebody had to go over there and get them out of Kuwait because he was controlling the oil fields and using that money to make his troops stronger and to spread terrorism around the world and whatnot. So George W. Bush sent the troops over to Kuwait and Saddam Hussein blew up all the oil wells or lit them on fire. They never even really said how many oil wells that he lit on fire or blew up but they showed some video and there was some major black smoke coming out of those wells. Pollution just billowing into the skies and carrying around the world. Somebody had to go over there and put an end to that. So that's how we ended up over in Kuwait. And then they went into Iraq, chased Saddam Hussein out of power. And ever since then, the Middle East has been really crazy because even though some of these people were in charge around the world, like Omar Gaddafi, I mean, George W. Bush got Omar Gaddafi to hand over all of his nuclear weapons and whatnot. And he left them in power. But the country was stable. But then the people went after Omar Gaddafi and they hanged him. Probably better than what he deserved was to be hung, you know. Who God only knows what they did to his body afterwards because usually over there they do all kinds of things you don't even want to mention on the radio. But I guess you could say he got what he deserved. But after that, Libya was unstable. After they went into Syria and Obama backed up certain terrorist organizations to overthrow the government, now you look what's happened with Syria. Total disaster. So we'll have to keep troops there forever to protect the oil fields because as President Trump says in history shows, as far as Iraq and Kuwait goes, history shows that 
the oil fields will fall under the jurisdiction of the terrorists and they'll use that money to buy more weapons and kill more people. So we're kind of stuck in that situation. But as President Trump said, the Kurds have been our allies. And they do deserve a special type of loyalty. But as he said, we can't still we're there and fight their battles forever. You know, is it right that our soldiers die while their people refuse to defend themselves? Even at the beginning of the United States, folks, people had to pick up arms and defend themselves and their rights. And that's how the United States became. Now our motto is make America great again. And now during this next election with President Trump, it's keep America great. And America is great again because the economy is booming. Anybody that owns a business tells you that they've got so much business they have to turn it away. A lot of people will tell you that they would like to expand their business, but it's a matter of hiring liable employees. And that's hard to do nowadays. Some people will show up a couple days work, then they won't show up, or they'll show up and they're stoned on drugs or something. People don't have the same work ethics as they used to. A lot of people have gotten used to socialism and welfare. They would rather lay home in bed all day collecting unemployment and welfare and live off of food stamps and Medicare for all. Each one of these political candidates on the Democrat side has a plan for Medicare for all. And they all come at a different cost. Elizabeth Warren says she can provide Medicare for all at the sum of approximately $55 million. It's in the 50s. Could be 52 million, 58 million. Let's just say 55 million. Bernie claims the same thing. I said 55 billion, folks. I'm sorry, I meant 55 trillion, trillion dollars. Bernie is pushing 100 trillion dollars. At least the only one honest enough to say that the taxpayers, middle class, everybody across the board, is going to be the biggest chunk out of your paycheck is Joe Biden. I'll give him credit for admitting the fact that everybody in America is going to pay dearly for Medicare for all, which no doctors want to accept, and it doesn't really cover anything, and you have to get supplementary insurance because Medicare stinks. And you think of all the jobs that are going to be lost if this happens. All right, so we're going to start the second part of our show here. And let's see, what do we start off with? Yesterday was Halloween. 
the last day of October. According to the weather I was listening to, they said it was 71 degrees in Burlington, Vermont, right? It's pretty warm, isn't it, for the last day of October? But yet today, it was, was like 46 degrees. That's quite a drop, isn't it? Last night it was 71 degrees at 11 o'clock in Burlington, Vermont. The very next morning, it's like 46. And it rained buckets last night. And the wind was coming in, pushing the rain sideways. It was incredible. And then I get up this morning. And there wasn't a drop of water on the streets. The wind had just blown it all right into the storm drains. It was amazing. To think that we got so much water in so little time, and then you wake up in the morning, the wind's no longer howling, it's calmed down, it's not raining, and you go out to your car, and there's no puddles or nothing anywhere. It's funny how nature takes care of itself, doesn't it? But, right here says the blue-green algae in the lakes in Vermont, is sticking around into the fall. It says, blue-green algae blooms continue to cause trouble at area beaches. Well, thank God they're closed for the season, right? It was bad enough seeing the beaches closed all summer because of raw sewage being dumped into the lakes. You gotta ask yourself, as hard as it rained last night in Vermont, in the Chittenden County area, around the edges of Lake Champlain. I would like somebody to find out how many gallons of raw sewage dumped into the rivers and ended up in Lake Champlain today and as we speak, because it goes on, folks. How many millions, that's right, millions and millions of gallons of raw sewage is being dumped into the lake as we speak because of the rains last night? That's what I would like some reporter out there, if you're listening, to do a story on so I can read it right here next week on my show. Because I read here many weeks, folks, on my show for instance, saying one week, city of Burlington dumped several million gallons of raw sewage into the rivers, which ended up into Lake Champlain. I read many of articles about how the city of Winooski dumped millions of gallons of raw sewage. And that goes for St. Albans and all the other towns around Lake Champlain, dumping millions of gallons of raw sewage into the lake. Last year alone, I guesstimated that the articles that I read pertaining to Cities around the edge of the lake dumping raw sewage into the rivers, which goes into the lake. I guesstimated it to be approximately 100 million gallons of raw sewage that ended up in Lake Champlain. Isn't that amazing, folks? 100 million gallons of raw sewage. And after that rain we had last night, that torrential downpour... I can only imagine how many millions of gallons of raw sewage are being dumped 
into the rivers and the lake at this very moment that I'm speaking. But to continue the article about the blue-green algae, it says signs at Cove Beach in Burlington this week warn of cyanobacteria. It's one of dozens of locations, including Isle Lamont and parts of Lake Menthamabog, that are reporting low to high levels of blue-green algae. The Agency of Natural Resources officials say it's not unusual to have blooms at locations in Vermont through mid-October, but historically, they were not common. But they're becoming common because, like I said, I've been reading these articles here week after week. What is uncommon is the fact that they don't report these things. That's what is uncommon, folks. Sweeping things under the rug. They say current weather patterns, including high rainfall and warmer temperatures, mean they are persisting into the fall. These bacteria grow well in water that has high amounts of nutrients like phosphorus and nitrogen. Swimming in water with cyanobacteria may cause skin rashes, diarrhea, a sore throat, stomach problems, or more serious health concerns. Dogs are especially vulnerable to the toxic effects and can be fatal. Yes, folks, that's what we need. You know, we're living in a country where one party is always against the other party, and whenever the opposing party doesn't like who becomes the president, the first words out of their mouth is to impeach that president. This is happening right now. The Democrats are trying to impeach Republican President Donald Trump. They say it's payback because the Republicans impeached Democrat President Bill Clinton. Regardless of what it is, People are really sick of it. And they want these politicians to focus on cleaning the water in the United States. We don't need millions and millions of gallons of raw sewage ending up into the rivers and into Lake Champlain, which is the water people swim in, people drink out of their faucets, people bathe in. This is what politicians need to focus on. We don't even really care what's going on or on the other side of the world. If these people over in the Middle East want to kill themselves and each other in the year 2019, they're going to do it whether you like it or not. They've been killing one another around the world since the beginning of time. They just have always hated one another, and they always will. But what we don't need is them bringing that hatred into the United States. We need to work in unity, folks. And people need to contact their representatives and tell them to focus on the constituents that put them in office. 
These people on the other side of the planet want to kill themselves, so be it. You know, as far as the Kurds being our allies, of course they're going to be our allies. The Ukrainians, are they our allies? Of course they are, because the Russians invaded Crimea. Remember that? And at the time, the Russians invaded Ukraine. Obama and his administration didn't give them any aid. They refused to. They totally looked the other way while these people were being killed by the Russians. It wasn't until Donald Trump and his administration actually sat down and spoke with the Russians and the Ukrainians and decided to give them some aid. You know, Joe Biden, one side of his mouth was promising to give them $400 million in aid. And then the other side of his mouth, he was bragging on television how, you know, the Ukrainian government was investigating his son, Hunter Biden, and he wanted the investigation dropped, and he wanted the investigator fired. And it's all over YouTube. You can watch it for yourself. You don't have to take my word. But you'll see Joe Biden is on a stage with some other people. And he's bragging how he said, I'm going to be leaving here on a plane in several hours. And this person better be fired or you're not going to get your $400 million or whatever for eight. And they said, well, that's not fair. We'll call Obama. And Joe Biden says, go ahead and call Obama, but you're not going to get your $400 million in aid unless that SOB is fired. Those are his words, folks. And Obama says, he must have said to Joe Biden that you can have your way with these people. He must have gave him permission to say it and do those things, wouldn't you think? Otherwise, Joe Biden wouldn't have told those people, go ahead and call Obama because you're not going to get your money. Because Joe Biden was pulling the strings. And they weren't going to get their aid money until the investigator investigating his son Hunter Biden was fired. He says, I'm leaving on a plane in six hours. And then Joe Biden arrogantly brags. He says, I get a phone call and what do you know? The SOB was fired. So then the investigation against his son Hunter Biden was dropped. And the people in Ukraine got their aid money. So, having heard that, it's the President Donald Trump's obligation and duty, regardless of who the President is right now, whether it's Donald Trump, could be anybody. It's their obligation to talk to the Ukrainians and say, I need to know what was going on with Joe Biden because the guy could be a threat to national security and he's running for the president of the United States. If he was blackmailing people like the Ukrainians when he was the vice president, God only knows what he could do to people when he is the president of the United States. And supposedly, Joe Biden and his son went to China 
flew over there on Air Force Two, met with numerous Chinese dignitaries, and walked away with one and a half billion dollars. Now, they act like this is nothing, and it shouldn't deserve any attention, and it should all be swept under the rug. But in all reality, folks, like I said way back in the beginning of this show, I said, the majority of the people in the United States, they're probably never going to see a million dollars alone, let a billion. A lot of people live paycheck to paycheck. I read an article last week saying how if there was an emergency in your family situation and you had to come up with uh, $1,000 cash, a lot of people wouldn't be able to come up with $1,000 cash. Can you imagine that? People work very hard, two or three jobs, trying to make ends meet, keep their head above the water. A lot of people cannot come up with $1,000 if they had to. But yet, you got Joe Biden, who was the vice president, and his son, Hunter Biden, who was a drug addict that got thrown out of the military. Right? They fly over to China on Air Force Two at taxpayers' expense. They met with all of these dignitaries, and all of a sudden, Hunter Biden is on all of these boards, right? Sitting on all of these boards, and they walked away with one and a half billion dollars. Now, when you see the Obama administration taking billions of dollars in cash and gold. We all saw it, folks. And it's all over YouTube videos and whatever. Like I say, don't ever take my word for nothing. Go check it out for yourself. But when you see pallets of gold and cash money and whatnot being loaded onto planes and flown around the world and converted into different currencies such as euros and whatnot, and then flown over to Iraq, billions of dollars. You have to ask yourself, where did they get this cash from? Where did Obama and his administration get this gold from? This wasn't approved by the government. I don't recall anyone taking a vote in Congress saying let's send uh, $4 billion over to Iraq in cash. So you have to ask yourself, if Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden, and I'm sure that Obama and pretty much everybody in the Washington, D.C. swamp was in on it, there are blackmail in these countries around the world and taking cash and gold, silver, whatnot from them. That's basically the proof right there. They must have got this money, billions of dollars to send in cash over to Iraq. They got that must have got that money from blackmailing other countries around the world, wouldn't you think? Because like I said, it didn't come from the national treasure. It wasn't approved by Congress, the House or the Senate.
So like I say, there should be an investigation as to how many countries Joe Biden and his son Hunter, and I'm sure Obama and all of those guys were in on it, how many countries were they blackmailing and shaking down? Because Rudy Giuliani says there is a lot of stuff going on in Romania also. And he's got a lot of evidence against Joe Biden and his son for that. And I'm sure Obama was in on it too. So, as I said, it doesn't matter if Donald Trump is the president. It doesn't matter if you're the president or if I'm the president. It's your obligation and duty to investigate someone such as Joe Biden who is running for president of the United States. Because if he was that crooked and dishonest as the vice president, just imagine what he could do to countries if he was the president of the United States. That is any president's obligation to the safety of national security. I don't care what anybody says. And if you would disagree with that, then something is wrong with you. Let's go to a song. Let's see. How about a little Def Leppard? This song is called Let It Go. And once again, you're tuned in to Louie Live. I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. You're going to want to turn this one up.
right, and that was Def Leppard with a song called Let It Rock. Another oldie but a goodie, because that's basically all you're going to hear on this show. Classic rock. I like other music. I like country music. I like jazz. I like rap. My friend Jerome P. Alimony is coming on next every Friday, 8 to 10. He's the founder of North Star Radio. You can go on Facebook and join his group or join my group, Louie Live. I encourage everyone to. And you can showcase your music there. And if you ever want to come on a show, just give me a holler. More than happy to have you. We just got a caller a second ago. Couldn't really hear him because the music was cranking so loud in here. And the walls are bouncing because that's what it's like being at a radio station, folks, having your own show. There's no commercials here. We're non-profit no commercials, no advertising. I apologize for not being able to hear them, but if they want to call back, they're more than welcome to. Number is 802-540-6890. Just got to keep it clean. The FCC's listening. No F-bombs. Basically, the only rule I've ever had all these years, folks, of being on the air for about 25 years We'll take that call. Hello, you're on the air. And the phone is not ringing. So what's going on with that? Usually this phone always rings. But you know, when you're getting a call right now, it's not working. Any other time it works perfectly. And I'm not even getting a dial tone. But it was working two seconds ago. That's the way technology is, folks. You gotta love it, huh? Hmm. Dead. But it's ringing. Oh well. So, where do we go from there? See these articles about gun control? I'm sorry to whoever's listening, but I can't take your call because for some reason the phone's not working right now. And I could talk with you over the phone, but nobody's going to be able to hear you. And that's not really fair. So we'll try to have the phone fixed by next week for sure. So, as I was saying, we've got about 10-15 minutes left before my brother Jerome P. Alimony, a.k.a. Peanut, comes walking in. going to kick back to the state of Vermont. And this is this article that says, How the State of Vermont Became a Firearms Dealer. Right? Firearms Dealer. You got that right, folks. It says, Various police agencies across Vermont have issues with storing seized firearms. They're just running out of room, it says. A new law last year handed the duty of selling off the guns to Vermont's Department of Buildings and General Services. They routinely sell traditional government surplus items like trucks, fuel pumps, and office furniture. Now they're dealing with the dilemma of selling arms back into the communities. It says they're selling the arms back into the community that they confiscate. You know, guns that have been used in crimes, that have probably wounded people, killed people 
And you would think that these guns are destroyed. A lot of times they'll have locations and maybe once or twice a year or so you can go turn your guns in. If you don't want your guns anymore, you bring them to the police and they will take these guns. And a lot of times they'll have an article on the news showing piles of guns that people turned into the police. And you'll be thinking, they're going to destroy these guns. Especially guns that have been confiscated during a crime. You know, guns that have maimed people, threatened people, and killed people. Right? A lot of people think in their head, these guns are destroyed. And they're no longer on the streets killing people. But they're not, folks. It says right here, they routinely sell traditional government surplus items like trucks, fuel pumps, and office furniture. That's okay. But now, they're selling off the guns. To the Department of Buildings and General Services. So then, you turn it over to another article. Prescription drugs. Now, a lot of people think you turn over your prescription drugs to the police or the fire department, and they destroy them. And it says right here, officials say Vermonters turned in more than three and a half tons. Can you imagine that? Pills. How much do little pills weigh? They don't weigh nothing. But people turned in more than three and a half tons of unwanted, unused, and expired medications on the 18th nationwide prescription drug take-back day. The Office of Republican Governor Phil Scott, <coughs> Rhino, <coughs> Rhino, <laughs> he is a Rhino, he's not a Republican. Come on, folks, he's a last person in Vermont that could call himself a Republican. How the heck can you have the self-proclaimed most liberal state in the United States of America end up with a Republican governor? The most liberal state in the United States, self-proclaimed Vermont is, and they end up with a governor that's Republican. It's just not possible, folks. He's not a, he's not a Republican for crying out loud. I never heard him say one good thing about Donald Trump, ever. He'll pay for that, though. I don't think he's going to be around during the next election. He's made his money, and he's going to move on, folks. We'll see. Remember where you heard it from. But the office of Republican Governor Phil Scott announced Thursday that the 6,734 pounds of medications collected at more than 60 sites across the state was the largest amount since the fall of 2015. You imagine that, folks. Vermont is a small state. We have about 650,000 people. And when you divvy that up by 6,734 pounds of medication that they collected, 
It goes to show you that pretty much everybody in Vermont's on dope, wouldn't you think? <laughs> it's crazy to think that way. So it says, Saturday's event marked the time that e-cigarette and other vaping devices could also be turned in. Scott says, the availability of unused prescriptions in medicine cabinets can lead to substance misuse for some Vermonters. One key to prevention is taking unused drugs out of the equation. Now, when I saw this article on the news the other night, they said that these confiscated drugs, these drugs that people voluntarily handed over and get out of their medicine cabinets so nobody would take them, they said that they were going to incinerate these medications, meaning they're going to burn them. Well, you know, folks, it doesn't say that in this article here. It said so on television, but it's not saying so in the news article where it is actually written and there's a paper trail. But, you know, people were thinking before, I'm going to turn these weapons in. I don't want no one to be harmed by these weapons. And they're going to destroy them. But, as we found out, they're being handed over to a different state department and they're selling them. So you have to ask yourself, if you were misled about ornaments, you're probably being misled too about prescriptions that people are turning in. Now in my mind, I'm seeing all of these prescription medications collected from states all over the United States, because this is just the state of Vermont right here. This in Vermont collected 6,734 pounds in a little old state of Vermont, right? So imagine how many prescription drugs they collect in a state like California. going to be unfathomable, the amount that they collect in the United States together. And I'm seeing a factory or a warehouse in China with child labor sitting at benches all day, sorting through prescription drugs and putting them back into boxes and shipping them back to pharmacies or whatnot in the United States to be distributed all over again. That's how I'm seeing it, folks, and my gut tells me I'm probably not wrong either because that's how things go in the United States of America. If there's a penny to be made, it'll be made. This country was founded on capitalism. But like I say, you'll see things like that on television, but you don't read it in the written form of the word. In this article right here, it says, WCAX-TV to operate two more TV stations. It says, some exciting news from our parent company, Gray Television. Gray has entered an agreement to purchase two stations in our region from Cross Hill Communications. WICI 
is licensed to Saranac Lake, New York, and shows Heroes and Icons, a network featuring classic television programming like Star Trek. WYCU is a low-powered TV station in Claremont, New Hampshire, which shows a network called Decades. Another classic TV catalog, which shows groups by the decade they originally aired. And over the course of the next few months, Gray and Cross Hill Communications will work together to complete the purchase with FCC approval. And it says WCAX will begin operating the stations upon closing the purchase. Well, that's all fine and dandy, folks. But the man that founded WCAX, Red Martin, and his leading anchor man, Marcellus Parson, they're both passed away now, God rest their souls. But I used to have communications with them and I would tell them that. You folks have the monopoly on the airwaves up here in Vermont. And you basically tell people what you want them to know. You only report the news that you want people to know. They never denied it. And that's just the way it goes in the news industry. And we've all seen it. CNN, they've been busted just about on a daily basis now for reporting fake news. MSNBC is no better. CBS, they're all the same. It's a good thing for social media. Can you imagine if President Donald Trump didn't have the ability to use social media such as Twitter and Facebook? Because from the minute I open my eyes in the morning and turn on the television, regardless of what station I'm watching, till the very minute that I go to bed at night, I can flick the channels around to CNN, MSNBC, CBS, WVNY, every single one of them, except for Fox News, who claims to be fair and balanced, and I believe that they are, except for a few people on there like uh, Shepard Smith, but you know, he got his comeuppance a week or so ago. Out the door, Shep. You know, hate to say it, but ever since Shepard Smith came out of the closet, you know, I don't know why he had to come out of the closet because just looking at Shepard Smith, a blind man can see that he was gay, right? Kind of like a couple years ago, Barry Manilow. You know the singer Barry Manilow? He comes out of the closet. <laughs> I mean, Barry Manilow launched his career singing in the gay bars along with Elton John, along with Little Richard, right? Everybody knew Barry Manilow was gay. He didn't have to come out of no closet. Same thing with Shepard Smith. But ever since Shepard Smith came out of the closet, he developed such an attitude. He became really nasty and angry and ornery, you know what I'm saying? And it caught up with him. And it catches up with all of them, just like Dan Rather, when he was the lead anchorman for CBS Nightly News at 7 o'clock, you know, he took Walter Cronkite's place. 
and they spent every second of the day trying to impeach George W. Bush, trying to bust him for anything. But they had no dirt on George W. Bush, so they made up false news, right? Fake news, politically correct term for lying. Lying, lying, lying. That's what it is. You're lying to the people, trying to brainwash people. Amazing. If that's not bad enough, the really insulting part that I find is that people defend liars like this. I've always been an independent, but regardless of your political standing, Republican, Democrat, progressive, you want to be a socialist, you want to be a communist, you have to admit that what's going on in the world is wrong. And it's really funny because if you were watching like Sean Hannity last night, he puts together these clips since like the first day that President Trump announced that he was running for president. Every single station, you know, they would use the word impeach. All day and night, every channel, whether it's on radio or the television. And he showed month after month after month after month from three years ago up until the president, the present, every single radio and television station using the word impeach. And you have to agree that it's all about mind control and brainwashing people into impeaching the President of the United States. People throughout the course of history, whether it's Stalin, Mussolini, Napoleon, Hitler, Bernie Sanders, they all realize one thing, that people basically have one thing in common, and that's hatred. You can see it in children. They learn it when they're young. They go to school. They see somebody that has something that they want. They go over and take it. They become bullies. They use their physical power against one another to take things from one another. And then what they'll do is they'll turn others in school against you. And that goes on throughout life, folks. And with a lot of people, when they leave school, they're no longer a bully. They're working in a big company. And we have laws against all that stuff. You don't see it as much in companies or businesses as you do in school where it's learned. And somebody once said that these bullies, they missed having that power to control people when they were in school.
And they miss that ability to abuse people and hurt people. So what do they do? They get a job working for a big company. It's not going to be tolerated. So what they do is they get involved in politics. And they use their political power to go around bullying people and abusing people and spreading hatred against people. That's the God's honest truth, folks. And you know who I heard say that years ago? Probably like 20 years ago. You know who I heard say that? That politics is a substitute for violence. It's just what she said. Society will not tolerate with bullies in the workforce. So they get involved in politics and it's a substitution for violence. And the person that I heard say that was Nancy Pelosi. It's the smartest thing that I've ever heard her say. And it's one of the most honest things that I've ever heard anybody say. And Nancy Pelosi knows to this very day, in the year 2019, it still holds true. And we're seeing it again all over. The Democrats are using their power on these committees to change the rules, to impeach the President of the United States, and they have absolutely nothing on him. There is no Russian collusion. There is nothing wrong with a phone call to the President of Ukraine. There is about two dozen people listening on a phone conversation. They all say there is nothing illegal about it. But Adam Schiff sits on the head of this committee and they change the rules because the House is controlled by the Democrats. They have the ability to change the rules. And they're doing all of these meetings with so-called whistleblowers and witnesses behind closed doors. And none of them have an attorney present with them. They're violating your rights. They can haul you in front of Congress to answer questions and you have no representation, no attorney. That's totally against the Constitution, folks. The Sixth Amendment guarantees you or me or the President of the United States the right to efface your accusers. Now, this whistleblower did not witness anything firsthand. This whistleblower was told secondhand knowledge. And they don't qualify to be a whistleblower, but the Democrats changed the rules. So now the whistleblower falls under the umbrella of being protected and remaining anonymous. And the president is being denied his Sixth Amendment of the right to face his accusers. And if they can do this to the president, folks, they can do it to anybody. So I'm going to get going, and I'll see you back here next Friday, 6 to 8. I hope you all enjoyed the show today. I'm sorry I couldn't take the call. Something's going on with the phone, and the other time it works perfectly. 
But we'll get that fixed and we'll be taking calls next week. Six to eight. I hope you all have a good weekend. Be good to one another. And contact your political representatives and tell them to start representing you and getting things done for you. Have a good weekend. Bye.